Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and we'll get into the message. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness. We thank you, dear Lord, for how you met with us this morning. And now, Lord, we return again to your word. And Father, looking at your promises, looking, uh, Father, Lord, at the things that you have promised that you will give uh, to anyone that will put their trust in you. And Father, I thank you that we have the promises of your word. Now, Lord, as we look at this passage, I pray, dear Father, oh Lord, that I'll be able to communicate clearly, oh Lord, what you would have your people hear from your word and Father I pray that their hearts will be open and Lord that they will receive the word and Lord that they will understand the message that you are communicating to them this evening Father I pray. Thank you Lord for each one that is here tonight. Thank you for their faithfulness. Thank you Lord for their dedication to the work of the Lord. Father I pray that you'll be with us throughout this evening and we'll thank you in Jesus name. Amen and amen. Interesting thing to notice here in these two verses in Psalm 103 is the David starts out and he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless the Lord, or bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. So we've got the four sentences in, and David is telling us that we need to bless the Lord. We need to praise the Lord and exalt the Lord, lift up the Lord. And he's telling us that this is what we need to do. And then he comes to the last phrase of verse number two, and he says, And forget not all his benefits. You know, many times whenever we go to praise the Lord, we start with his benefits. And nothing wrong with that, and that's what we're going to be looking at this evening. But we praise him for what he does for us. But David is saying here, already four sentences in, he is worthy of our praise. He is worthy of being exalted. He is worthy of our thanksgiving before we ever get to what he has done for us. Uh, he is worthy of all the praise and all the honor and all that we can give him and forget not all that he has done for you. And so this evening, we're going to be looking a little bit at all that he has done for us. The first thing that we looked at this morning uh, uh, was the promise uh, of his peace, the promise uh, of the peace that God has given to us and how that that peace uh, is something deeper than what the world has to offer. But in addition to offering peace, uh, we find that in the word of God, there is also uh, the promise of his pardon, the promise of his pardon. In Psalm 51, if you look with me in Psalm 51, David here is talking and in verse number 2, David says, wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. If you drop down to verse number 7, he says, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. We see here the promise of the pardon that God offers to every person that will put their trust in him. The promise that he will wash us. The promise that he can cleanse us. The promise that he will forgive us. We have a promise of his pardon. Sometimes we will see someone or a couple of individuals that had an infraction with one another and you may speak to either party and they will say 
say to you, I don't know if I can forgive them for what they've done. And what they're saying is what they have done to me, the, the offense was so great that I don't know if I can find it within me to forgive them. Sometimes, sadly, these parties will split and never speak to each other again over something like that. But sometimes you may see folks that have had a disagreement, but their friendship and their relationship is more important to them than the hurt that was caused by the offense. And they will readily go to one another and they will let one another know, I forgive you. I hold nothing against you. There is nothing that's going to come between us. We're going to let it go. It's not going to be a problem. Whenever I think of the Lord Jesus Christ and I think of how mankind has disregarded the sacrifice that he made, we have disregarded the blood that he shed, we have disregarded the salvation that he has offered, yet God says, my love for you is so great that I am willing to forgive you. I promise that if you will put your trust in me, I offer pardon and cleansing and forgiveness to all who will put their trust in me. There is a promise of his pardon. Never, ever will there be a sinner come to the throne of grace who God will say to them, I don't know if I'm able to forgive you. Uh, many times we as Christians struggle with this because we will see individuals who we feel like don't deserve the grace and the mercy of God and yet God is extending his hand because there is no one who he will refuse his pardon. We can rejoice today in the promise of his pardon. I know without a doubt this evening as I stand before you, I know that my sins are forgiven. I know that my sins have been washed away. I know that I appear righteous before the heavenly Father. And how do I know this? Because there is a promise that he will wash me and cleanse me and make me white as snow. It doesn't depend on me, but I can rejoice because of the promise of his pardon. In 1 John 1, 9, the Bible says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. The songwriter said it this way, whiter than snow, yes, whiter than snow. Now wash me and I shall be whiter than than snow. We can praise our Savior all day long because He has washed us, cleansed us, and made us whiter than snow. The song we sing often, What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. There it says in that song, it says, Oh, precious is the flow that washes white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. We can rejoice tonight in the promise of his pardon. It's not a maybe. It's not a hope so. It's a promise that if we come to him, he will pardon us. If we come to him, he will wash us and make us whiter than snow. If we could reference one more song. The songwriter said, Once I was lost in sin's degradation, but Jesus came down to bring me salvation. I once was lost 
There's another song. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. I want to say we can rejoice tonight in the promise of His pardon. But in addition to the promise of His pardon, I believe that we can rejoice tonight in the promise of His presence. We can rejoice in the promise of His presence. You see, and I know I mention this a lot, but it's because it's so special to me. He didn't just pardon us and leave us. No, He pardoned us and befriended us. He said, I will forgive you, but in addition to forgiving you is I want you to be my friend. I want you to be my companion. I want to spend my time with you. I want to interact with you. I want to walk with you. I want to talk with you. I want us to fellowship together. I can rejoice in the fact that he pardoned me, but tonight I can rejoice in the fact that His presence is always with me. We can rejoice in the promise of His presence. The Bible is full of promises that tell us that He will be with us. In 1 Samuel chapter number 12 and verse number 22, the Bible says, For the Lord will not forsake His people. That's 1 Samuel 12 verse 22. The Lord will not forsake his people. In Hebrews 13 and verse number 5, we read these words, I will never, did you hear that? Never leave thee nor forsake thee. Never, never, never. How many times have we accused God of not being there? How many times have we went to the Lord in prayer wondering where God is at? He promised us His presence. He said, I will never leave you. A lesson we can learn from this is if we cannot find God, maybe we need to look at where we're at instead of wonder where He's at because He promised, I will never, ever leave you. In Matthew chapter chapter number 28 and verse number 20, uh, Jesus said, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. In Matthew chapter number 1 and verse number 23, we read of the prophecy that states, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. In Revelation 3 and verse number 20, he said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. We can rejoice tonight, folks, in the promise of his presence. He says, I want to be with you. I want to fellowship with you. I'm never going to leave you. In John 14, verse 16 and 17, he says that I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. You know a problem that I have with a lot of modern religion is that they downplay the role 
of the indwelling Holy Spirit of God. I have to let you know this tonight. When you accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit of God moves into you. He takes up dwelling on the inside of you. You become the temple of God and God lives inside of you. Now we could take off and run all kind of rabbit trails here about why it's important that we take care of the temple and why it's important that we pay attention to where we're going because everywhere you go, you're taking God with you. With you and everywhere you're seen you're taking God with you because the Holy Spirit of God moves on the inside of every believer and he does not leave. Now you can grieve him and you can quench him but he does not leave. He is there. He said I will have a comforter and that comforter will move on the inside of you and you will know who he is because he's dwelling on the inside of you. You know what a witness of whether or not you have truly put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ is whether or not you have recognized that there is somebody else living on the inside of you. I'm telling you what, if you are born again, you have experienced the Holy Spirit of God guiding and directing and speaking to you outside of your own mental capacity. This evening we can be thankful because we don't have to walk this path alone. We don't have to face our trials alone. We don't have to go through any difficult circumstance or situation alone because we are not alone. Have you ever seen somebody trying to do something, whatever it may be? Maybe they're trying to put something together. Maybe they're trying to fix something on their car. If any of you mechanics was to watch me fix something on my car, you'd probably be in what I'm getting ready to describe. But they're trying to do something, and someone else is watching. And they're doing it wrong. And the person that's watching knows how to do it correctly. You've seen this before, right? And while they're over here trying to do it wrong, the person that's watching is going, But you know what? This person is struggling and struggling and struggling because they think they're alone. And the whole time there's somebody else there who can't even control their, their movements because they want to help fix what it is that they're doing. You know what? Many times we go through life in exactly that same way. We are facing trials alone. We're facing circumstances alone. We're worrying, fretting over what's going on in our life alone. And the whole time the Father's just following us along like, just let me have it. Just let me, I'll take it. Just let me, just give it to me. Let me take care of that for you. I can help you with that. You don't have to do this alone because I'm not going to leave you. You're not alone. Just stop and recognize that I'm here. Amen. We can be thankful tonight because of the promise of His presence but in addition to the promises of peace, pardon, and His presence, I find that we can be thankful tonight because of the promise of His path. The promise of His path. What do I mean when I say that? This speaks of His promise to guide our steps. His promise to direct our way. His promise to reveal His will. His promise to ensure our well-being. I believe we can be thankful because of His promise to direct our steps. You know what? We have a book here that if we apply it, will guide us 
through every situation we may face. We have a book here that is applicable to everything we may encounter in life. We have a book here that has explanations that will instruct us what we should do and what we shouldn't do, how we should handle things. And sometimes we have to get in it and we have to read and we have to compare truths, but it will apply. It will work. It will fix it. We have a promise that if we apply His Word, He will direct our steps. And as we said the other night that in the book of James, He said, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. He has promised if you will seek me, if you'll seek my word, I promise I will show you the best way to go as you travel through this life. In Psalms 37 and verse number 23 says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delighteth in his way. Now many times we look at that and we say aha, this is a good man, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Uh, So he is a good man because he's allowing the Lord to direct his steps and that is true but I believe a better way to interpret that verse is that because he is taking the steps that God is telling him to take, the outpouring of his life is that of a good person. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. John 10 and verse number 4 we see we see a couple of things about uh, regarding this path. First of all, I see the promise uh, of his direction. In John 10 and verse number 4, the Bible says, And when he putteth forth his own sheep, uh, he goeth before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. In Psalm 23, in the last part of verse number 3, the Bible says, He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. Whenever I think about the promise of his path, I see the promise of his direction. He will go before us. He will go in front. Have you ever been going through where my father-in-law, the farm there where my father-in-law lives, there's a another farm that borders my father-in-law's farm, and the people that own that farm don't take care of it. And it's all grown up with briars and brambles and all kind of things. My father-in-law, his, his farm, he keeps it mowed and keeps it up in a good shape. You know, he leases it out for folks to put cattle on it or whatever. And so we like to deer hunt on my father-in-law's farm. But the fellow that lives on the backside, it's all grown up. And so that's where the deer like to stay. They like to go over there in them bushes and brambles. And so what we like to do is we like to get some folks over here in the field And then we have some folks go over and they go through the other farm. And we make a lot of noise and racket and all the deer come out of the briars and brambles and they come over onto my father-in-law's farm and we shoot them and we're just lazy hunters and we have no problem killing all kinds of deer that way. But sometimes when you're over there going through the briars and brambles, it's awful nice if you're not the guy in front. If there's somebody else that's got the machete and they're cutting the briars out of the way or they're pushing the branches out of the way and they're up in front and they're going through and then you're behind them and you're not having to do anything. You're just following along. The briars aren't a problem unless he turns loose of a long one and then it gets you real good. But other than that, the path is clear, the path is clean and it's so much easier when there's somebody else in front of you. Whenever I look at this, I know that going through life can oftentimes seem like you're going through a briar patch. But he says here in, he says here in John 10, verse number 4, He goeth 
before them. In Psalm 23 and verse number 3, He leadeth me. He is in front. He's taking care of the problems. All we have to do is follow we see the promise of his direction, but we also see concerning this path the promise of his illumination. We all know this verse, but it don't change the value of it. In Psalm 119, verse 105, the Bible says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Job 29 and verse number 3, Job gave a testimony of how he made it through his trials. We know the trials that Job faced. In Job 29.3, Job is talking and he's telling his friends how he made it. How he's managing in face of all these difficulties. And in verse number 3, Job said, When by his light I walked through darkness. When by his light I walked through darkness. His light, His illumination is that which shows us the way that we ought to go. <clears throat> Joel and I uh, walked from my house down to uh, our garage the other day and it's, I don't know, 100 yards or so from the house to the garage and we were walking down the driveway from the house to the garage and we knew where the garage was but there were no lights on on the garage and there was a porch light behind us and if you ever notice, looking from light into darkness, you can't see a thing. And so we're walking down towards the garage and one of us uh, stumbled there in the driveway because we couldn't see what we were doing. And I told Joel, I said, we're going to have to mount a light somewhere between here and the garage so when we come out at night, we can see where we're going or learn to carry a flashlight or something because we need light for our feet. We can thank the Lord for the promise of His path that He will lead us and He will illuminate the path that we are walking on. We can praise Him that we're not left to flounder through life on our own. We're not left without instruction. We're not left without direction or guidance. He promises to lead us. If we could go back to another song, the songwriter said, He leadeth me. O blessed thought, O wondrous words with comfort fraught, Where'er I go, where'er I be, tis still God's hand that leadeth me. The psalmist said, Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. We can rejoice in the promise of his path. In addition to promising to guide our steps, though, if we continue through the outline in Psalm 23 and verse number 4, we find that he promises to protect us on our way. Let's look at the promise of his protection. In verse number 4 of Psalm 23, the psalmist said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You know what, sometimes the path of life may lead through the shadow. Many times the path of life leads through the uncertainty. It leads through the unknown. But David reminds us that in his presence, following his path, we can be assured of his protection. 
I remember this with my children, but they're all growing up, and now we're getting these grandchildren. I'm getting to relive these experiences again. I used to say when I was a young father that raising children taught me more about God than, than anything uh, any other physical illustration I had experienced. Uh, and now that I'm having grandchildren, I'm experiencing it again. And boy, it just reminds me how that God is our Father. But boy, I'm telling you what, little Emma, she, she gets around really well and she can walk about anywhere she wants, but every now and again she'll have to go down the steps or she'll have to go up the steps or she'll have to step over the landscape timber uh, so that she don't trip. And whenever she comes to one of them obstacles, she'll just stop and look around and say, Pop, pop, as she holds her hand up. You know what she wants? She wants me to take her hand so she can have confidence as she goes through what was uncertain before. And boy, every time I see that, I am reminded of situations that I face in life and that I get stressed about and I get worried about and I don't know how I'm going to handle them when what I need to do is just stop and say, Pop, pop, it's time. I need that hand again. I need that security again. I need that protection. I need that confidence. Pop, pop, will you take me by the hand and help me over this that I don't know what I'm doing? He promises that he will protect us. Many times we find ourselves in places uh, where we did not intend to be, where we do not want to be. But we can be assured as we looked a little while ago that He is there with us uh, and He will protect us. Uh, in Psalm 139 uh, verse number 7 the Bible says whither shall I go from thy spirit or whither shall I flee from thy presence if I ascend up into heaven thou art there if I make my bed in hell behold thou art there if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea even there thy hand shall lead me and thy right hand shall guide me I can praise the Lord that wherever I'm at wherever I find myself I have a Savior whose right hand he is leading me and guiding me and I am protected on the path because of the Savior. In addition to his protection, we find that we also can rejoice in the promise of his power. The promise of his power. In Isaiah 41 and verse number 10, the Bible says, Fear thou not, for I, am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. We can rejoice because of the promise of his power. Whenever I was just a young fella, nine, ten years old, went to a Christian school and there was a the pastor's son there, uh, his name was John as well, and he was four years older than me. And he was, even at 13, 14 years old, he was much of a man. Big guy, strong guy, and uh, I idolized him. I thought he was the greatest thing ever. Matter of fact, if you ever heard us call my oldest son John, John John, it was because my school buddy that I looked up to when I was in school, that was his nickname, John John. And so we called our son John John when he was little, kind of in honor of the impact this man had on me. And I remember when I was 9, 10 years old, and let me just back up right here. One way you can tell for sure if you grew up in a Baptist church is how many metal chairs you can carry. 
Bab young Baptist boys can carry a lot of metal chairs. It's kind of like a, a ritual you have to go through, learn how many you can carry. But anyway, I'm 9, 10 years old, and we're carrying metal chairs. And most of the guys were older than me. They were teenagers, and I come out there. I want to help. I want to help. And most of the guys are like, oh, go back. Go, go play. Go play. We got this. Got this. Go on. And John, he looked over, and he said, come on over here. Come on over here. Come on. Come on. Come on. And he stacked up a humongous stack of chairs. And I'm just like, what am I supposed to do? He's like, you got it. You got it. And he gets underneath that thing somehow, and he lifts up the weight. And he said, grab the end. Grabbed in, and he tries to hide himself, and down we go, trying to convince all them other teen boys to hear little old nine-year-old John is carrying all these chairs all by himself. Man, I'm telling you what, I felt pretty big. I felt pretty proud because here I am carrying all these chairs, and John, John, he's over. Come on, you got this, you got this. But you know what? All along, he was carrying the weight. I... The, the rest of the teenage guys got to where they'd accept me, and they, they'd let me in, and they'd let me hang out with them because John made me look bigger and stronger than I really was. You know what? In our own strength, no matter how much we think of ourselves, we can't make it. In our own strength, we, we are weaklings against the wiles of the devil and the forces of evil. We, we, we can't do it. The Bible says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And we can rejoice because of the promise of his power. Although in my own strength I am nothing, that's not a problem because I'm not relying on my own strength. Just because in my own strength I am a weakling, that's not a problem because I'm not relying on my own strength. I'm not relying on my own ability. I'm putting my confidence in him. It's just like David coming up out of the valley with a sling and a stone looking at a giant that had a whole army terrified and the giant said today I'm going to feed you to the birds and David said I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord and we recognize that the roles were reversed and all of a sudden the giant was the tiny one and David was the giant because of who he put his trust in. We can rejoice tonight because we have the promise of his power. We are promised that when he is we when we are weak, he will be strong. When we can't carry on, he will carry us. When the burden is too heavy, he will lift it up. When we stumble, he'll regain our footing. In moments of weakness, in moments of trial, we can praise him for his power. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12 and verse number 9, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Philippians 4 and verse number 13 says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. We can rejoice in the promise of his power. In addition to the promise of his power, we can be thankful tonight. We can praise him tonight because of the promise of his provision. Philippians 4 and verse number 19 says, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. We used to sing the song, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Then one day a preacher said he owns all the potatoes under the hills too. 
I mean, it don't matter where you look. It don't matter what you're talking about. Whether you're talking about potatoes or the gold and diamonds, whatever it is, if it's on top, if it's underneath, it all belongs to him and he can make it available to you if you have need of it. It's all his. I'm telling you what, he will supply all our need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now, some have grabbed a hold of this and they have tried to manipulate the Lord into making them personally wealthy in regard to material things, you have to understand that's not what this book is about. But if God has called you to do a work for Him or He has laid a mission out in front of you, there's no need to hesitate, there's no need to stumble, there's no need to falter because He has what it takes to supply the need. And Camp Joel went and worked at two years ago, Wilderness Camp in West Virginia. I'm going to try to have the director, Brother Jason, come sometime this year and present the camp to us. Tremendous guy doing a tremendous work. There was a situation came up. They've never been able to get power to the camp because the property owner next to them wouldn't let them bring power across his property. So they ran the camp for 20 years off of generators. Well, the landowner decided to sell. Well, this is a golden opportunity. We could buy the property. Now we can get power. We can expand the camp. Does God want us to do this? needed $200,000 in order to buy the property. Brother Jason just let folks know, hey, pray. Pray that God will provide this money. He needed a $75,000 down payment. And I believe Joel can tell you all later if I'm telling you right or not, but it's like five days or seven days. He needed a $75,000 down payment. Brother Jason said, if God wants us to have this property so we can get power to the camp, we're going to trust God to bring the money in. In the seven days that was allotted, uh, more much more than the 75000 that came in. And the last I heard, uh, pretty much all of the money had came in and they were able to buy the property and be able to bring the power in. I'm telling you, he owns it all. And if he wants you to have it, he can provide it. He can provide it. The Bible says in Psalm 84 and verse number 11, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. My dad, he loved this verse. My dad, he, he liked buttermilk. I don't know what was wrong with him, but he loved buttermilk. And uh, he would tell you, because no, none of mom, none of us kids, none of us drank buttermilk. And he would tell us, y'all know, Buttermilk's going to be in heaven, don't you? We're like, no way, ain't no way. Rotten milk is going to be in heaven. Ain't no way that's going to happen. He's like, oh, yes, it's going to be there. And he quote this verse. No good thing will he withhold from them that love him. He said, when I get to glory, he's going to have a cup of buttermilk for me. I just wonder if he got his cup of buttermilk. <laughs> I'd always tell him there's nothing dead and unregenerate going to be in heaven, Dad. This is good. This is not good. But uh, he'd quote this verse over and over. No good thing will he withhold from them that love him. And you know what? That applies today. Amen. No good thing will he withhold from them that love him. We have the promise of his provision. In Matthew 6, verse number 33, the Bible says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Matthew 10, verse 29 down through 31, the Bible says, Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father. 
Every time I read that verse, it just gives me chills. But the very hair of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore. Ye are of more value than many sparrows. Psalm 37 of verse number 25 says, I have been young and now I'm old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. Psalm 23, 5 and 6 says, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Songwriter said, Be not dismayed, whatever betide, God will take care of you. We can rejoice in the promise of His provision. For you sound guys that was taking bets, y'all lost tonight because we finishing this sermon. <laughs> Last point that we have, the last thing that I have this evening that we can be thankful for is we can thank the Lord for the promise of His purpose. I truly believe, and I believe this with all my heart, that every person, every person that is created has been created and designed and given life with a specific purpose in mind. I believe with all of my heart that God makes no mistakes. I believe with all of my heart that a person that is born and has been given life by Almighty God, God has a purpose for that person to accomplish in this life. I truly believe that. And we look here and we see that the Bible teaches this in Psalm 139 and verse number 14 down through verse number 18. The psalmist says, I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret, and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in my, thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there were none of them, you understand what the psalmist is saying here? He's saying, when I was conceived in the womb, when I was not developed, when I was just, a, just, a, just an embryo, God knew me. He recognized me. He had already designed and thought out who I was going to be. He said in verse number 17, though, he said, How precious are also thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. The psalmist is saying, when I was in the womb, when I had just been conceived, he said, actually, when there was none of me in existence yet, nothing had been developed yet, he said, the sum of your thoughts toward me, how great was the sum of your thoughts. You had already thought about me and who I was going to be and what I was going to accomplish. He said, if I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. The psalmist said, uh, from the beginning of time, before I was conceived, after my conception, while I was in the womb, you had thoughts toward me and who I was and who I would be and what you wanted to accomplish with me. And I believe that is true of every person that God has given life to, uh, wherever they are, uh, whatever uh, state they are in. God has designed them with a 
purpose. I believe many people never experience their purpose. One, because they do not give their life to the Lord. Then I believe there are those who do put their trust in the Lord, who resist the purpose that God has for them. But I sincerely believe that God has designed every person with a purpose. And if you will yield your life to Him, He can accomplish through you things unimaginable. If you will simply yield your life to Him. The conference that we went to, Loving and Leading, Brother Ab Thomas is the guy who started Master Club Ministries. And uh, the Loving and Leading Conference started as a result of the Master Club Ministries, which is a ministry for young people. We had it here at the church for a little while. But the conference has expanded, and now it just is a leadership conference for church workers. But Brother Ab Thomas, he's in his 80s now, and Brother Ab Thomas is always part of the program and speaks, and I love Brother Ab and always has great things to share with us. Brother Ab has a son, autistic son, and every year, Brother Thomas Jr. gets to preach. Brother Thomas Jr., I don't know, he's probably 30 or 40 now. He always preaches the same message. Every time I've been there, he preaches the same sermon, dream big dreams, trust a big God, pray big prayers. It's a good message. Brother Thomas, he'll preach for about seven or ten minutes on dreaming big dreams. Then he'll go sit down. His dad will have to help him off the stage and help him get a seat. Pray for me, <laughs> Brother Ab got up after Brother Thomas Jr. preached this year. He said, I wish you could see his bedroom. He said, stacked up on one side his gospel music CDs. Stacked up on the other side all the preachers he loves to listen to. He said a lot of times he'll have his gospel music playing and a sermon playing at the same time and he's sitting there listening to both of them. He said, last night, he said, it was way up in the night. He should have been to bed a long time ago. He said, I could hear something. I could hear it. He said, so I went to check on it. Boy, I'm telling you what, this just, this just wrung my heart. He said, I went downstairs into his bedroom, and he said, there he was on the floor. And in his limited way of speaking, he was crying out to God for the workers that were at the conference. He was crying out to God for the children that these workers were going to go back home to. And he was crying out to God that he would bless the preachers at the conference and that he would bless the ministries and he would bless the children. And he said, I just stood there and watched as my son laid there on the floor and cried and prayed and begged God to work in this conference. Amen. I sat there in my pew thinking, and all of us think that God's here because we're here. God's here because there's a young man that has a purpose. And this young man has been shaking the gates of glory for this meeting for years, and we never knew it. Everybody, everybody has a purpose. And if we will surrender our lives to God, he'll do things through us that we can never, ever imagine possible. I believe we can rejoice because of the promise of his purpose. In Jeremiah 29 and verse number 11, the Bible says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. You remember the story of Joseph, Genesis 50 and verse number 20, Joseph told his brothers, 
But as for you, ye thought evil against me. But God meant it to good, to bring to pass as it is this day, to save much people alive. Romans 8, 28, we love this verse and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. This evening, we can thank Him that God has a purpose for each and every person. He didn't waste His energy on any person. There's some people who feel pretty useless. They feel like, I have no purpose in this life. I have nothing that God wants me to do. Let me, let me assure you, God has promised that you have a purpose. And if you'll surrender your life to Him, He will do great and mighty things through you. We can rejoice in the promise of His purpose. This evening, I don't know what all we may be facing. I don't know what all trials, we spoke of some of them this morning. But during this Thanksgiving season, let us remember that if we have nothing else to be thankful for, we can be thankful for the promises of God. That God has said, I promise this is what I will do for you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. I thank you, Lord, for Lord, your word. I thank you, Lord, how you speak through your word. I thank you, dear Lord, for the promises of your word. I thank you that we can trust your word. Father, I thank you that when I'm weak, you're strong. I thank you when I feel alone, you're there with me. I thank you, dear Lord, that when I feel I have no purpose, that, Lord, I know that you have promised that if I'll follow you, you'll do great and mighty things through me. Father, I thank you that, Lord, we have a God who has pardoned us and who has promised to be with us. Father, I thank you for it. I thank you, Lord, that no matter what this earth may throw at us, no matter what the world may bring our way, no matter what situations may come, Father, I thank you that they cannot take your presence away from me. I thank you, dear Lord, that no matter where I may find myself, uh, uh, Lord, that you will be there. And Father, Lord, that you will support us and you will help us. And Father, uh, Lord, in every way and in every situation and in every circumstance, Father, I thank you that we have you. Father, I pray as we go through this season, Lord, there's many things we can be grateful for. And Lord, as we're thankful for our families and our, uh, Lord, our possessions and our blessings that you've poured upon us, Father, Lord, I pray that we will also remember to be thankful for you and who you are, and what you have done for us. Thank you, Lord, for these folks that are here. Bless us as we go throughout this week. Help us, Lord, as we return again on Tuesday. Lord, let us bless that service. Lord, I pray that they be a spirit of praise and thanksgiving. And Lord, let us edify one another as we share the great things that God has done for us. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Bless us now this evening. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you all. You are dismissed.